0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner.
2: Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm your host, Kate Ebner. If you'd like to follow the latest news from this show, please be sure to sign up for the weekly newsletter at thenebocompany.com. That's just nebocompany.com. Today, we're going to go on a bit of a journey. Picture yourself at the edge of the Shenandoah National Park in rural Rappahannock County, Virginia. We're about an hour and a half away from D.C. on a beautiful farm with rolling green hills and pastures. This is Mount Vernon Farm, owned and operated by my guest today, Cliff Miller. Cliff's family has owned the land where Mount Vernon Farm is located for 186 years, or since 1827, which is quite a long time. Today, we're bringing you the incredible story of how Cliff has taken some courageous steps, along with his son, to improve stewardship of the land and also of the farm that's been in his family for so long. Cliff, before you tell us the story about Vernon, I was hoping you could help our listeners get situated in the place a bit first. Could you begin for us by describing... For those who've never been there, the land and the farm that you own. Uh,
3: yes, uh, Kate, the the uh, we are right up against the Shenandoah National Park, so uh, and and we are just to the east of the Shenandoah Valley.
0: Mhm.
3: Um, the hills are significant. Uh, mm-hmm. The farm. Nestles uh, at the headwaters of the Thornton River, which is at the headwaters of the Rappahannock River. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a mountain on the farm called T- Turkey Mountain, that is um, uh, full of of uh, woods and turkeys and deer and bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a, a the river that runs through us. Um, has a bountiful rainbow trout that we stock for people. And uh, we also are wrap around Sperryville, Virginia, which is a um, is a small town in Virginia.
2: Yes, thank you for sharing that description. It's funny, you know, you you've kind of oriented us on the map and to the the valley into the land. Um, And I want to say for those of you listening, if you ever get the chance to stop in Sperryville and stay at the Inn at Mount Vernon Farm, it is just a beautiful, beautiful spot. And um, once you're at the Inn, you suddenly realize that you're not just at an inn, you're at this amazing farm. And um, Cliff, I want to say thank you for joining me today. And I would love it because your story is so interesting. And I know you know, as you and I were talking before the show, this is not just a story about the future. This is also a story about a family and a history. Could you tell us a bit about the history of your farm?
3: Uh, yeah. my um, The first Meller came over uh, in the early 1700s uh, from Germany and settled in Baltimore and then moved down into the Rappahannock area where... We currently live. And uh, my great, great, great grandfather bought the land in 1827 from uh, uh, Francis Thornton, who had it as a King's Grant uh, property. Uh, he must have been a pretty smart guy because he, uh, as you know, uh, he bought some good, fertile land, uh, perched on a side of a mountain that uh, is right. Spectacular.
2: Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, and, and, you know, those of you listening, if you have a chance, even now, while we're talking to go to the website for the inn at Mount Vernon farm, and just look at the pictures. It's just beautiful. So tell us more about your family. So he had the, he, he had the vision to situate it where he did. Um, has it always been a working farm?
3: It has always been a working farm.
2: Uh, the beauty,
3: um, I'm in love with this area, as you know, uh, and I'm in love with this soil and, and land. And uh, it's not because my family owned it uh, all that time, but it is very unique uh, to have the advantage of knowing that and some of the records that tell me what went on uh, in the in the years uh, in the almost 200 years that, that uh, we've. We've owned the land. Um, uh, my great-great-great-grandfather built uh, the house that is now the inn uh, in 1827, and uh, the farm I, I, I had the advantage of going to his, um, his uh, inventory at death, and I could tell the animals that he had and, and something about the farm just by looking at the inventory. And... Um, He, at his death, his son took over, uh, one of his sons, and um, it's moved on down through the males um, in the family until uh, my sister and I own the land. Um, Actually, our children now own the land, uh, but um, I'm the one that lives here and farms it. Mm
2: hmm. Well, you know, it's a, it's amazing to be able to track the records of your family back all those years and to be able to um access the, the the almost the the daily history of the place the way that you can through those records. Um I wonder, you know, I'm curious because I come from a part of the world where a lot of people have left farming or they leave the family farm and they yeah. don't return. You know, what's kept your family in this in this work?
3: Um, I think there was somebody uh, like I am in my generation who just wanted to do it, and um, it. I think uh, you know what happens to a lot of family farms is uh, the owners have children, and then it's passed on to them, and their children, and their children, and and if you get too many people involved uh it, it they have different uh, um ideas as to what they want to do or they'd like to mm-hmm. cash in and uh mm-hmm. luckily we have my father um farmed it for about 65 years so um that was pretty unique in and of itself and then at his uh passing away uh, it became my turn and um we would i i bought most of it from my sister at that at that point, and he did the same thing with his brother and sister so it's there's one person that cares a lot and that um bombs it
2: yeah well that's it's it's really um it's really an amazing thing and and you know when you visit the inn I'm saying this for those of you listening um, who may or may not, never get, actually get there. There are portraits of your ancestors and even early portraits of you hanging in all the rooms, you know, so there's this sense of family and the sense of place um, that's quite visible and, and palpable um, as you're a guest in this, in this beautiful spot. Um, tell us more about what you do today at the farm cliff. What's happening there now?
3: Um, today... Um, we are uh, my my goal is to constantly increase the quality of the soil and the water and the um, and to preserve the old structures and and to find usefulness for it all uh, over the last. 12 or 13 years, uh, I became aware of a different type of farming. Uh, let, let me first say that, that we we were a dairy farm for 60 years, and we got out of that in the 70s. And we have a lot of old structures that were unique to dairies, and, and uh, they began to be not used or weren't used, Uh, and when when it became my turn, uh, I began to make improvements to them or repairs to them and began to try to figure out how we could use them. Um, Today, uh, one thing that I knew was that I didn't want to farm the way we were currently farming. Um, which means using herbicides and pesticides and a lot of chemicals and monoculture farming and that sort of thing, so my commitment uh, became one of trying to improve the eco- ecological uh, environment mm-hmm. and to and to um, bring in animals, let the animals do the work, and do it all very naturally. So yes. we have pigs and cows and sheep and chickens, uh, all of whom we raise naturally, uh, I would say organically, but they're not organically certified, um, and that we sell to individuals in the greater Washington area.
2: Yes, you know this is um this is part of the fun of the inn at Mount Vernon farm is that the farm is a working farm, and you know for everybody listening you know you kind of imagined it, I hope, or maybe you're looking at the website pictures, but to drive into this farm is. Is to be aware that there, there's you drive past donkeys and you drive past horses up the hill and <laughs> there, there's dogs and there's there's uh, the, you know a herd of cattle that um, gets moved across the river early in the morning. So it's 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 fun to I go think there. I
3: remember the pigs uh, we're, were quite attached to you too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the pigs <laughs> and and with all of this, a farm store where you can actually go and. Um And participate by you know purchasing meat and and eating it and it 's really um I, I have to say i I mostly eat vegetarian myself but but this is meat that I would actually drive across the river to Arlington, where i know you you bring it every week it's fantastic delicious um different than what we get at just the grocery store and just in terms of flavor and um you know, it feels good to know how how well it was raised and the good life that it lived. Um, so it's it's really it's really something to see this whole place alive the way that it is right now. Um, we're going to be taking a break um, in just a minute, um, Cliff. But you know, I wonder you know if you had to articulate the mission behind your your inn and farm. You know, I don't know if you you talk about things like that, but is there is there a mission you could put in a nutshell for us?
3: Um, we do talk about things like that, and and I don't know that I can put it in a n- nutshell. But the the I want every day the quality of the um, the uh, soils and the water and the grasses and the animals on the farm to be a little bit better, and certainly every year. So that I, my goal. Our uniqueness is that we've owned it for a long time. My grandchildren are alive and on uh, now, and hopefully they will want to own it. And my goal would be to constantly improve it, and and expect and hope that it will be in our family. Uh, we'll be the stewards for another 180 years.
2: Thank you so much. You know, you're listening to Cliff Miller talk about his family farm, the inn at Mount Vernon Farm in Sperryville, Virginia. This is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, and we'll be right back.
4: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you
1: want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit nebocompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's nebocompany.com. Leadership is a vital skill
5: set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills.
1: Listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program.
2: Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate, and today I'm talking with my guest Cliff Miller, about the remarkable story of this Virginia farm. Um, Cliff is a sixth generation of millers to own and operate the Mount Vernon Farm in Sperryville, Virginia, Rappahannock County. Um, I'm curious, you know, Cliff, you were describing the changes that you've made at the farm in terms of the farming practices. Um, what do you, If you had to describe kind of like the before and the after, you know, So sort of what's – What's happening as a result of the practices you're putting in place right now? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the changes you made.
3: Sure. The, uh, you know, the interesting thing is I'm, I'm 72 years old, and um, back when I was in my mid-20s, I was in graduate business school, and we had several farms at that time, both of which were dairies. And I wrote my... Master's thesis on those farms. In, in this case, it was a case study on those farms and and how what we might do to improve them. And I uh, spent a lot of time talking to the experts in Virginia uh, at the land grant college, colleges and also the county agents and that sort of thing. And um, and put numbers to it. And, and what I realized today is I'm very happy that we didn't do too much of what I suggested and um, that <laughs> I, I farm in quite a different way. And, and I do that because I've evolved into being a little bit more sensitive about the environment and um, and this place and how to how uh, to be a good steward of the land. Um,
2: yes, so. you know, you, you said to me, I think, as we were talking about doing this show, that, um, you know, one of the things that's really remarkable about your story is that you came into farming yourself relatively late in life. And you, you told me that you thought that, um, that doing it at this stage of your mm. life means that you bring a different perspective to it. Tell us what you mean by that.
3: Um, well, uh, I have the time uh, on this earth to appreciate a lot of things and have seen the changes that have taken place on in farming in general and mm-hmm. the farming we did in the last, from the 1960s till today and I must say that i have um, i am quite alarmed with um, a lot of things that have happened that in the name of progress that i don't really believe um, are the way we ought to be going um, uh, my uh what what the other thing that I think i've talked to you about is that. Once I got started on this, um, it it became my turn when my father died, and I had the opportunity to sit back and say, now what is it that I want to do on this land? What what do I think we ought to be able to do? And I began making decisions, and um, the first decisions that I made, luckily, were decisions that allowed me later on to be able to add to those and to make this place more what it is today. And if I hadn't done, I think it, it almost was destined to be, actually, that that I, um, that I would do the things I did ten, twelve 12 years ago that then allowed me to do the things I did nine years ago and allowed me to do the things I did six years ago, et cetera, to make this into what, at least for me, is a place that I can wake up every morning thrilled that I'm um, practicing what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, you know, you just said something very provocative, and so I'm going to stay here for a moment. And what I want to point out to those listening is that um, the perspective that Cliff just shared about looking backward, actually, and seeing how um, how his own life has prepared him for this moment is an experience that we can all have. And I think I see this with vision quite a lot. People um, take the time to create a vision and then we, we call it standing in the future, looking back. You know, if you envision something that you really would love to, to create and have and live and then imagine it fully and then look back at the moment that we're actually, look back at the present day, look back at right now and say, what would I need to do to prepare myself to accomplish this? Then we can begin to sort of plan toward the future we want. But even if you don't do that, you can actually often look at how your past has led you like stepping stones right up to the moment you're in. And I think that you know, I I really love that you articulated that cliff, um, that feeling of being prepared um, sort of by life for the opportunity that you have right now. And I wonder if you could just give us an example of maybe something you were doing nine or 10 years ago that actually set the stage for what you're doing now.
3: Well, when when it became mine to to do with, um there was some there was a government program uh, that uh had just come into being uh, it was very new. It was called the CREP program, the C R E P program, that was designed to improve the quality of the of the water. Um uh, on on farms or that come up, comes off of farms, and until that time, most recently we'd been renting the land to because my father, who was still running it, was eighty eighty seven years old, um, and and he um, decided that he didn't want to do it, uh, and so he rented the land to several farmers, and they were good farmers. But the land was rented for a year or two, Mm -hmm. and then they would re-up. And the fact is that he rented to about three different farmers, all of whom had a very different mission than was the mission that I thought we should have for the land. Their goal, if you're renting something for one or two years, Uh, is to get the maximum amount you can off of it and to uh, have it cost you as little as possible so that you can uh, fulfill your your goals. Our goal, or the goal of a long-term steward like me, uh, is that I want to improve the land every year, and if I give up something short-term to do that, so be it. But I don't want to be... Doing things for the short-term gain that will detract from the quality of the soil long-term, for
2: instance. Interesting. And did the um, did the water uh, the change in the was it the law about the water? Did, yeah, is it, that it,
3: it, it was an incentive program? I'm sorry, I, I didn't finish that. The the federal and state government and the Chesapeake Bay Foundation all Try to incentivize uh, farmers to uh, keep the cattle or the, the the livestock off of the out of the water, and also to keep farmers from cropping right up to the edge of the streams or the water, and then have that um, have have the um, the fertilizers that they put on. Uh, Wash into the streams and cause problems and and farmers uh, like to complain that um, they're blamed for for uh, impacting the quality of the water and it's It's really not fair, but it, it is fair they okay. um, uh, it is a the major non source um, pollutant uh, the way we farm most of the time, uh, uh, for the water sources. So the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and the the federal government and the state offer you incentives to keep your your animals away from that. I did that, uh, and and I started out trying to get the most I could uh, from the program uh, and give up the least amount of land, and then I began to realize that what what they were allowing us incentivizing me to do was was really worthwhile doing, and I spent about three years planning where I would give up land, uh, uh, rent land to the to the government, and keep my animals off of it. And in fact, I ended up doing about 160 acres of land. Uh, that revolutionized it by uh, uh, the way we, we go about farming.
2: Wow. Yes. I mean, I, I, I love how you described that the, the sort of the incentive was there. You entered the program thinking, I'll try, you know, I'll try this. And, you know, then discovered the benefit was enormous and became educated in the process of doing that and it it's it's it, it i see how one step leads to another and one experience teaches you something you need to get to the next step you know and it's it's a great example so thank you very much for sharing that you know i i Wanted. I mean, I I'm excited about your farm, so I have lots of lots of ways that I want to talk about it. But what I what I hope that people who are taking in this story and this perspective, um, I, I want to just invite our listeners to consider. Um, this is the second farm show we've done in a couple of weeks, and I I came away from the conversation with Chris and Barney Hodges thinking about the way the farm has actually shaped them. And the vision that they have for the farm certainly motivates them, but the work of making it happen has turned them into who they are. And I, I hear that in your story as well. Um, we're going to be taking another break right now. And when we come back, Cliff, I'm really interested for you to tell us more about um, sort of the legacy, the stewardship, and some of the farming practices that you're doing right now. Um, love to hear more about that. This is Kate Ebner. My guest today is Cliff Miller. Cliff Miller. And we'll be right back after this break.
4: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Do you want to take your organization to the next level? the nebo company develops leaders teams and organizations to achieve their highest potential we provide executive and team coaching leadership courses, mentor programs and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders with national reach nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision then develop the strategy goals and accountabilities that make the vision real For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com.
5: Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business.
4: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program.
2: Welcome back. Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner, and I'm talking today with uh, my guest, Cliff Miller, who, as we mentioned before, is the sixth generation of Millers to own and operate the Mount Vernon Farm in Rappahannock County, Virginia. Um, Cliff came late into um, stewardship of the farm, and today is really uh, creating building something that he hopes is going to last um, for generations and improve the land and really be a contributor to to that valley and to that community. Um, Cliff, I want to go back to where we were right before the break. We were talking about um, the way that certain events conspired to um, teach you things you needed to know. Um, you know this show is about vision, and we we really invite everybody to um, take the time to see and create in their mind the future that they really want to work toward. And I'm curious, you know, you, you be- you actually began to talk about a vision of, you know, not just your children, but your grandchildren caring for this land and carrying it into the future. You know, if you look out, you know, I don't know, a couple, as, as far as you want, what do you see as the future the vision for um, Mount Vernon farm? Well, um,
3: the the best thing I can do is to not try to tell them what the vision of the farm should be um, going forward just like if my father had tried to tell me what he wanted the farm to be um, it, it, it's not at all what he would have said and and uh, because he came from a different background to getting the way it was, and, and I think the best thing I can do is do what I can do for the time that it's my opportunity to work with it and to pass it on to my children to do what they think is best. Uh, but I will say several things. We, we um, did something very important um, a few years ago. Uh, and that was that we took this farm is is 845 acres and it wraps around the village of Sperryville and it's uh, a stunning setting, as as you know. Mm -hmm. And um, Rappahannock County is committed to preserving the open spaces and to tr- and is not at all interested in uh, a huge amount of growth uh, if that means bringing in businesses or, and certainly houses and that sort of thing so it's a it's a it is a uh, oasis of, of open space um, in what is a constantly growing uh, Uh, urban uh, area from Washington coming on down into Culpeper County and and the the counties around us are growing very rapidly and we are really not. So I've got the unique um, uh, opportunity I had the unique opportunity to own land uh, because it was passed down, bought but passed down through uh, the family that is in a place that deserves to be preserved and with any luck will be preserved. Well, one of the things that we did fairly early on, uh, there was a national there was a national program uh, that uh, encourages people to put conservation easements on their land. And I don't want to go into conservation easements too much except to say that um, we ended up unanimously. All the members of the LLC that that own the land agreed that we would give a conservation easement to the state of Virginia through the VOF Foundation, which basically says that uh, we will never be able to build more than, we gave 600 acres of conservation easement and said we'll never be able to build more than six major houses on that 600 acres ever, and that's a significant uh, thing to do and would be very foolish if it were not for the fact, if we thought that possibly there were going to be motels and And lots of businesses all around the place, and this would just be sitting um, without any building. But because it's nestled up against the Skyline Drive, because of the view shed, because it's in a a county that um, encourages it, and that, in fact, has about 25% of the privately held land is under easement now, uh, it became a very good thing to do. So one thing that I... I know, and that my family voted for 100% was that we would put it under easement. So I know that it will never have a filling station or even a highway that goes through it because it has been given to the state with those restrictions.
2: Yeah, um, thank, thank you. That's a that's a really uh, that's very interesting. And what what I keep thinking about again doing these two farm shows is also the the cooperation and the uh exchange between um state government state government and federal government and and farmers actually and the, the kinds of opportunities and policies and and incentives that are um, that very much m- make things happen. And so, you know, the sophistication really of the farmer to be able to understand these kinds of opportunities and put them into play. Um, I wonder, you know, I, when I think about your vision, it's really a vision of stewardship. It's a vision of, um, I, I don't know, a legacy really of, of stewardship. I know your son's been Really, um, a key part of all of this, and yeah. we even talked talked about bringing him onto the show too, but decided that we would bring him in another in another time. But what I wanted to ask you about is, what's it like to work together toward this? I mean, tell tell us a little bit about how the family actually collaborates.
3: Well, <laughs> it's, it's probably a little bit challenging, uh, but uh, uh, but. Um the main thing you got to do is get out of the way <laughs> and <laughs> if, if if uh and so that's and it 's remarkable um which by the way is one of the the things that that um i believe i believe it almost was preordained that that I would come along with the opportunity to own the land when i when I owned it I also believe that um if you if you do certain things, then it gives you an opportunity to do other things and and one of the problems that we've got is uh we've got this open land that we farm in a very unique way that we think is beautiful and some people may think has too many uh doesn't look as pretty as a as a as if it were covered with corn and that sort of thing but uh, we think it's, it's it's special. We think it's it's uh, wonderful. But I don't know. In fact, I would if I were betting, I would bet uh, that no member of my family is going to want, at least in the next generation, is going to want to get out here and farm it. So one of the unique things that I think is very special that. Um, I've been able to do, and and that it, uh, we are at, at a very exciting time right now, as far as it's concerned, is to attract uh, real good farmers who want to farm in the same way that we want to farm to the land, and make it possible for them to live and farm on this land for m- many years and have it be almost as if it were their own, and yet um, they could never, because they can farm and make money and have a wonderful life, but it would be very hard to pay to buy 800 acres to farm uh, in the area that we live. Uh, Just the cost of the land would be too much for that, so... We make, it, we make the land available and incentivize them to come and farm, and thus my children can continue to own the land, continue, continue to enjoy it, do what they like to do, which is the inn and the big barn that's an event space and that sort of thing, and yet still have the farm farmed uh, by extraordinary people who are uh, gaining in many ways by doing that? Um,
2: I'm glad so. you. I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, it, it's such a great, uh, it's such a great experience to be there and actually to see the commitment of the people who are farming, and to, to really understand that relationship is a lasting, long-term relationship, not a kind of um, two-year lease type relationship and that the integration of, of your family and the folks who are farming it, it feels very um, committed and, and aligned and um, organic organic there you go that's the yeah. word That's the word.
3: yeah I'd like to dwell on I'd like to tell a little bit of a story on that is that okay
2: yeah we've got one minute till the break is it a one minute story
3: um, well um, Waterpenny Farm is a Small farm. It's not a one
0: minute. Uh, Waterpenny <laughs>
3: Farm is a is a is a small farm that rents thirty acres from us, and they are organic vegetable farmers farming an area that was a problem area for me. Mm-hmm. That made it one of the perhaps the best thing I've done on the farm is to bring that vitality in. And they have a a forty year lease. So they'll, they'll be able to farm here way past the time that I'm alive.
2: That's that's fantastic. Well, you made that into a 30-second story. <laughs> but I think that they, you know, so, so if you visit this Sperryville, one of the things you'll see as you drive into the town is the sign for the Waterpenny Farm, which is uh, part of your land, and you can actually go and, um, you know, go to the, they have a sort of a farm stand there. You can get fresh produce. They have an amazing program. And I know that the farmers there are a couple who are uh, really making it their life to do this organic farming. You can find their produce at, at some of the farm markets in the Washington, D.C. area. We see them at Tacoma Park. Um, anything else you want to say about Waterpenny?
3: Uh, uh, I, I think they're probably as good of, uh, a vegetable farm farmers as they is as there is in the United States. They are very capable. They bring in six or seven interns each year that bring a vitality to the area and supply vegetables that are very healthy to people that live in this area and they also have CSAs that um uh, that they and, and they sell at farmers markets in the in the D C area
2: yeah they really it's it's a very it's exciting and it's it's a part of what you're doing and it's also you know really in its own right quite quite impressive we're going to take a break right now my guest cliff miller is telling us about what's happening at mount vernon farm where his family's uh, home turned into an inn has been there for um, almost 200 years it's really quite a place this is kate ebner and we'll be right back
4: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take
1: your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our Leadership and Life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com.
4: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard
0: Time. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com.
2: You're
1: listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to Leader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program.
2: Hello, this is Kate Ebner. I'm speaking with Cliff Miller, and we are talking about... Um, really the journey and the vision and the work and the collaboration and the community that is Mount Vernon Farm in Sperryville, Virginia. Um, you know, Cliff, you said something. We were talking before the break about um, Waterpenny Farm, which is just one example of the kind of um, cooperative way of, of living and working that uh, Mount Vernon Farm has really inspired. And I know there are other people who have really made your uh, the, the potential and the possibilities of your farm a big part of their lives. Is there anybody else you'd like to mention?
3: Yeah. Um, so Waterpenny Farm is wonderful, but it's only 30 acres, and I've got uh, 500 acres of farmable land, and so that's a very small um, that's important, that's incredibly important, but I also need to need have needed and have wanted and have planned for for a long time uh, to find a young farmer or better yet, a young farming family that would farm in a manner that I was comfortable with and that they were comfortable with and that would farm, the animal part of our farm. Uh, and I literally have moved at that two or three times. Um, and I've, I've had some wonderful interns that have come and worked on the farm here uh, over the last 10 years, uh, 12 years. And um, the last one was a, um, a man... Who sent a resume in who was a chef and and he he uh, most recently was uh, cooking at the inn at Little Washington, which is one of the best restaurants in the world and which is located about seven miles from us so I said to him, you know he got a good resume why do you want to come working here work here and his answer uh, was uh Classic, um, he said. You know, I know what to do when it comes in the door of the of the kitchen, but I don't know how to raise good, healthy meats. And I said, Well, I can teach you that. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll teach you that. And he came for an internship of a year. And at the end of that year, I was certain that uh, he had the potential to do what to take over the operation of the farm if, if he had the desire to do that. And uh, he began managing the farm with some oversight from me because he was only 27, 26 at the time, I guess. Um, and um, he had a, he's got a talented wife who is also interested in farming, but is also a photographer and a, um, a good uh, creative computer person and um, so he has just just recently just this last October first we we entered into an agreement that 's a five year agreement for him or them to take over the um, the animal part of the farm. I still own the cows, but he bought the pigs and the uh, other animals that we've got. And he is running his own farm, which he calls uh, Heritage Hollow Farms. You can look it up, heritagehollowfarms.com And uh, he has taken over all of the the marketing side, which is significant uh, on a farm like this, and I'm I'm thrilled that um, he's doing that. Uh, he's he's it's a big step, and uh, if he is successful this next five years and finds that he wants to stay at it, then I would be real interested in entering into a long, a real long term um, rental, just like I did for Waterpenny, and that type of rental is truly exceptional. I I doubt that there are not many, you know, maybe 1% of the rentals would be that... that,
2: These kinds of terms.
3: that, ...that would go for 40 years or 30 years. But if you want to get both sides committed to wanting to improve the quality of the environment... That's the way to do it because if every year it gets better, if the grasses get better, then the the food for the for the animals gets better, and that improves the quality of the product that he's marketing.
2: I'm glad that you spoke about that. It just um, you know I I had a chance to meet him, and I know the incredible hard and good work that he's doing on the farm and you know I, you know if, if anybody's wanting to go to this inn by now i'm sure everybody is i hope that you'll um that you'll take a farm tour you know cliff you are so good about driving us around in in your vehicle to look at the land and the animals and to actually meet uh, mike and others who are really working working hard to create this amazing place and to participate actually in what you're doing and that's one of the things that stands out for me about you right now is that you you've actually you said earlier uh one thing paves the way for other opportunities and you know one decision one one um one pursuit can open up other possibilities and so many people are affected positively by the opportunities that are happening at your farm you know we just have about a minute left and i or maybe maybe two and i want to invite you as somebody who has done so much with what you have and who has such a wonderful long view. What advice do you have for people who are listening, who maybe are, are trying to think themselves about how they want to be stewards and have a vision of stewardship?
3: Yeah, well, um, every every situation is different. Um, if I'd done, tried to do this in the wrong place, it would have not worked at all. Um, but so you 've got to step back and take the time to look and see what you have, and then just open yourself to potential open yourself to possibilities if i hadn't i don't know if you' if the listeners know about Joel Soliton or the omnivore's dilemma uh, a great book uh, written about um, uh, meat farming and okay. and 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 pointing out the difference, the, the dramatic differences between doing it right and doing it the way most of it is being done. But if you open yourself up to that sort of thing, uh, and in my case, I never, I didn't create anything new, but I, I am paying attention to th- things that I've seen in other places and then try to adapt them to what, what I've got. And, um, I could have never guessed. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to hope for what I have right now. Eight really? years ago, I just would prod along and 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 make changes and um, try to make it better as I moved along. So open yourself to opportunities. Um, don't get stuck in the way you do things. And if you're looking at multi, multi-generational things, um, uh, have the good sense to let each generation create things on their, on their own and not try to... Um, manage from the grave or or manage as an old man <laughs> <laughs>
2: well that <laughs> that's a wonderful place for us to end I think and you know you, I want to say thank you for being part of the show today and uh, it's been really important to me to have you on the show and for us all to be able to learn about your experience and from your experience so thank you very much Cliff
3: it's been a great experience for me thank you
2: talk about being open to possibilities so have a a great day and uh, thank you all for listening you're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life this is Kate Ebner I've been talking with Cliff Miller of the Inn at Mount Vernon Farm check it out
1: we sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.